you have probably all recently seen somewhere, especially, or I guess if you use uh, Facebook, you have seen someone make a post similar to, um, we need prayers or asking for prayers, please pray for my family. Uh, Often there may be a post that says, uh, unspoken prayer request. And then below, you will see several people who have uh, comforted that person or or attempted to comfort that person by saying, uh, I'm praying for you or, or we are sending our prayers. When we read things like this, we understand what's being said or what's attempting uh, to be said. Many times um, you may wonder, I I may wonder at times, uh, do we actually stop and pray for those people or do we just say, oh, I'm praying for you and then uh, we neglect the actual prayer part part of it. But as we think about that concept of praying, that, that's where our thoughts will begin this morning. That's where our thoughts uh, will go this morning. If you still have your Bibles open, if not, open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Here we see an example, a, a time when Jesus gives uh, a very detailed instruction. Jesus gives a very detailed example when dealing with prayer. Jesus says, beginning in or backing up to verse 7, he says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And he says, Pray then like this. And as Connor read the the scripture just a few moments ago. We then see Jesus giving an example of some things that we could consider or should consider when we pray. This prayer that Jesus gives us here, that's recorded here, is not the only prayer that we're allowed to pray. We, we, We understand that, hopefully, and we know that's true because throughout scripture, there are other prayers that are said, even by Jesus Uh, There are other prayers that are said that are not word for word what's listed here. But rather this is an example of what a prayer uh, should look like, how we should pray. As we think about this, I want us to just think about a few things this morning when we pray. And and ask ourselves maybe to spend a little bit more time in thought... Uh, a little bit more time in preparation, possibly, uh, when we do pray to God. What does it mean when we comment on those posts on Facebook and we say, I'm praying for you? Well, what, what should it mean? What, what could it mean when we make those comments? It's easy to tell someone, I'm praying for you. If you need anything, let me know. But when we stop and actually get down to the actual prayer... What, what is that part of it? We say we're going to pray, but what does that mean? What, what do we do when we pray? Some things that I want us to consider this morning. First of all, uh, prayer is something that should have a purpose. A purposeful prayer means that we have a reason 
for saying the prayer that we're about to see. We're going to examine three different points of prayer this morning. But, but the first one, or the beginning idea that I would like us to get in our head this morning is, is prayer should have a, a purpose. Why are we saying this prayer? Why am I praying? What am I praying for? What should be uh, included in this prayer that I'm about to say? Is prayer something that we should just automatically do every day? Is prayer something that should be on my list that when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to say a prayer? Every time I sit down for a meal, I'm going to say a prayer. And then before I go to bed, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to say, you know, X number of prayers each day and, and I'm going to check it off my list. Is prayer something that we should just automatically do? Uh, or is it something that we should have a purpose of why we're praying? In Matthew chapter 6, uh, in verse, um, verse 8, we're reminded that God knows our prayers before we ever ask. It says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. God knows our needs. God knows our hearts. God knows our pains. God knows our weaknesses. So God knows all of those things before we ever utter that first word of prayer. So, does it matter what I pray? Does it matter what I say in my prayer? If God already knows my needs then does it really matter what I say when I pray to God? I think by answering the, the three questions or the three thoughts that we're going to go through this morning, hopefully we will be able to answer that question. And hopefully our answer, uh, to kind of go ahead and give you the answer, and I think most would agree, yes, absolutely it matters what we say or how we say it. The first thing that I want us to think about this morning is prayer should be planned. Prayer should be planned. Now, let me put in a disclaimer here. This is not me saying that we can never pray at a moment's notice. We can never just pray instantaneously, so to speak. That, that's not what I'm talking about here. I, of course, we all know moments in our life when, when we're, uh, we're filled with a feeling. Maybe it's a feeling of... Of dread, you've just gotten some some news. Uh, you've just uh, the doctor has just come in and, and given your family news, or you've just learned that that somebody has lost a loved one. That that's a moment in which we are probably brought to prayer, and it's an instantaneous moment. That that those are not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about um, planning or thinking about our prayers that we say that we know about ahead of time. Those daily prayers, maybe so to speak, that we say. Not those instantaneous moments when we're overcome uh, with emotion. A planned prayer is one in which we know the reason and we make that reason known to God. And the question may be asked, well, if God knows, why do we have to make it known to God? Think about just for a moment... When, as a parent, you know that your child has done something. You know that your child has done something that you told them not to do. And you're just waiting to see how long it's going to take that child to come let you know that you know they've made a mistake. 
As parents, you've, you've probably done that from time to time, especially if it wasn't something that was major, was going to endanger them or possibly hurt them. You wanted to see how long it was going to take before they came and told you that they had broken that lamp, before they came and told you that they had done whatever it was. And so you see it and you wait. And then once they make that known to you, then you begin to deal with it as you had maybe told them ahead of time that you would do. Prayer, while it is different, I think that we can use that example to help us understand God through prayer. God knows our needs, but God has told us through Scripture, He says, you don't have because you don't ask. You don't have because you don't ask. You don't let me know. You don't ask me for help. God has offered assistance to every living, breathing human being that walks on the face of the earth. However, those, there are those that refuse to make their needs known to God. Or maybe they don't believe in God. They don't believe that there is a God who will answer their prayers. Is God willing to supply their needs? Absolutely. But do we ever go to God and ask? Do we truly think that saying those prayers will be answered by God. You see, in that mode is when I think about prayer should be planned. One of the things that I often think about is, uh, and I appreciate Brother Ricky just a few moments ago as he led us in our opening prayer, you could tell by the words that he used in that prayer that he had thought about that ahead of time. Also, uh, we hear individuals Uh, lead prayer in a service such as this. When we think about this idea of prayer, we saw this morning uh, Caleb doing a wonderful job leading our singing. Caleb did not wake up this morning and come to services and and when he got here decide what songs he was going to lead. He planned ahead of time. Ricky and and John and uh, Eric and all of our other song leaders do such a wonderful job But they plan ahead of time what songs they're going to sing, what order they're going to sing the songs. So often our men, and and Caleb included, uh, as this morning, they they think about what the sermon uh, is titled, is going to be about. And they will sing songs that are geared towards that. There's a lot of preparation that goes in to song leading. But do we put that same preparation into leading a prayer when we know about it. Now, let me back up and and throw in another disclaimer. I know there are times when maybe the person who was scheduled to do the prayer was sick or or they uh, were out of town or whatever it may be, and at the last minute you were asked to lead a prayer. Well, you couldn't put preparation as much into that. But as we heard Brother Ricky lead our prayer this morning, you could tell that he had prepared to say that prayer just as he prepares to lead singing, just as Caleb this morning prepared to lead singing. When we neglect to prepare to say the prayer that we will be saying, in our minds, are we putting less importance on it than we put on song leading? Are we putting less importance on it than we put on preaching God's Word? Communion, contribution, all of those things take preparation. We put the same preparation into prayer. This is going to sound odd, but but give me a moment and let me explain what I'm thinking here. 
When somebody says, I get nervous when I have to lead a prayer in front of the church, that actually makes me feel encouraged. Why would it make you feel encouraged for somebody to say they get nervous? If I hear that, without saying it, that person tells me that they respect and understand prayer. They respect what's being done when a prayer is led on behalf of the congregation. You see, if it doesn't make you a little bit nervous doing what you're doing in a worship service to God, maybe we forgot what we're doing. Maybe we forgot who we're actually serving on the Lord's day. If you don't get a little bit nervous when you lead in in service, just a little bit nervous when you think about we're standing before God, we're worshiping God, if we don't get a little bit nervous when that happens, I think we've forgotten who we're worshiping, who we're serving. Should we be terrified? Absolutely not. God, God doesn't tell us, oh, your songs always have to be on key. Your sermons always have to be perfect. Thank goodness, because I, I would have preached one sermon in my life and been done. God doesn't tell us, if you don't do it good enough, you don't glorify me. But if we truly remember that we're worshiping God, it should make us just a little bit nervous in the sense of, Wow, I'm worshiping my God. I'm worshiping the one who created me. That should make us stop and think for just a moment. Respect means that we're a little bit in awe, at least, of what we're doing on this day. When you took the Lord's Supper... If you truly stop and think about what you're doing in that moment, it should cause you to pause and cause you to think for just a minute. To be in awe of what you're actually doing during that moment. The second point, and one that we began with, is prayer should have a purpose. Prayer should have a purpose. Why are we praying? Why am I saying this prayer? Is it just because I haven't said eight prayers today and I need one more to get my daily prayer quota? Why am I saying this prayer? I think that prayer should have a purpose. If you will, uh, flip over in your Bibles uh, a few pages, a few books to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. In Acts chapter 12, James... Beginning in verse 1, let's just start right there. It says, About that time Herod, the king, laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to the four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. Pause there for just a moment. We, we, we can envision this. Something terrible has happened that the church knows about. There is this battle going on between the Jews and between those preaching Christ. And, and it says that the Jews, Jews were happy when James was killed. And so you have this war, so to speak, raging. You have people that are actually happy Because someone lost their life because of what they're teaching. 
And so there is this abundant need. Peter has been put in prison, and there is this abundant need. They've just seen what happened to James, and and so the, the church sees this need. The church sees something that's going on. And here's how that section ends. Here's what the church does when there's this amazing need. There's life-threatening need going on. Here's what the the church does. They don't organize a protest. They don't organize a rally. They don't complain. They don't write a letter to the editor. They don't get on Facebook and, and complain. What do they do? Peter was kept in prison... But earnest prayer was made to God by the church. You see, there's a life-threatening situation going on here. The church sees a man whose life is at stake. And they pray to God. Earnest prayer was made for him. They understood the power of prayer. They understood the God they served and his ability to answer prayer. Because when a man's life was at stake, they went to God in prayer. They had a purpose, and they answered that purpose with prayer. When we teach young children to pray. We usually begin teaching them at moments like dinner and bedtime. Those are typically the first moments when you teach a young child to pray. You're not concerned with the words that they say. Uh, Parker's new thing is he will lead the prayer before we eat dinner. The words may not always be in order. (laughs) They may not always be coherent. But he understands that he's praying. You see, I'm not worried about the words that he says. I want him to understand that we need to pray and why we pray. You see, the reason I think that we do it at dinner and at bedtime is because we want to associate with young children that food is provided by God, so we're going to pray. That rest and safety at night, most of the time when we teach our children to play, we we, we tell them to include people in their lives, their, their brothers, their sisters, their parents. You see, we want to associate with them that families come from God. That safety at home comes from God. That comfort comes from God. We want to teach them that there is a purpose and a reason why we pray. When we teach children to pray, sometimes we guide them with the words because they're connected to a purpose. When we pray, let's have a purpose. And the question may be, well, people say general uh, prayers all the time. And that's true. Uh, Sometimes we say general prayers of thanksgiving. We go to God and we just say, God, I want to thank you for the things in our life. God, I I know there's someone who's suffering. I I know this person's suffering. I don't know what's going on with them. But I just want to pray for that person. You see, even a general prayer has a purpose. 
Even if we just stop and we pray to God and the only thing we do is say, thank you, God, for everything that you've given us. Thank you for allowing me to wake up this morning. Thank you for uh, allowing uh, this new grandchild to come into my life. Even a general prayer that's not necessarily specific has a purpose. And that purpose is that I understand everything points back to God. That everything comes from God. You see, even a general prayer, the purpose is I know who I'm praying to. And I know who's going to answer that prayer. The, the fourth or the third thing that I want us to look at this morning is the idea that prayer should bring peace. Prayer should bring peace. In Acts chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, at this moment, we to just give quick background information, we have, we've seen Jesus ascend back to heaven. And the apostles, this is actually what we're studying in our senior high class, but the apostles have, have witnessed this. They had had the opportunity to spend some more time with Jesus after he rose from the dead, and now he has ascended into heaven, and they're trying to figure things out. They're back on their own, so to speak. Uh, we know there's, there's more to it than them. They were not left alone, but Jesus has ascended to heaven. And so they're trying to figure things out. They're, they're trying to get plan, to, to back up and, and figure out what they're going to do. And so they've gathered together in this upper room, and in verse 14 of Acts chapter 1, it says, All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So we can envision this. These apostles who are trying to figure out what's going on, trying to figure out what their next move's going to be. And they've gathered together, and they prayed. Twice we see a group of people who are facing extreme circumstances and the first thing they did was pray. They understood the power of prayer. They understood what prayer could do. But they pray. They devote themselves to prayer. They devote themselves to prayer. We say a prayer in passing. Do we devote ourselves to prayer? You see, to devote myself to prayer means I believe in prayer. I believe in the one who I'm praying to. You can tell when someone devotes themselves to prayer. You can see it. You can hear it in their voice. Someone who devotes themselves to prayer. Let's look at an individual in Scripture. Turn back with me to the Old Testament book of Daniel. And here we're going to see an individual who truly devoted himself to prayer. Who believed in the power of prayer. Now, I don't think, and I don't think the Bible teaches, that we should expect something bad's going on in our life we're troubled, we, we are facing whatever it may be, we say a prayer, and as soon as we say amen, we're going to have the solution. 
I don't think that's what we should expect. I don't think that's what Scripture teaches. There may be a large gap of time before the amen and the final answer become connected. We may never see that connection this side of heaven. But God's going to answer those prayers. Whether it be, we've heard this said often, a a yes, no, or a, a maybe later. We know God's going to answer those prayers. It's not going to happen the moment we say amen. But we should believe in what's going to happen with those prayers. Two questions I want you to think about every time you pray. Every time you, you say a prayer, just as, as those men and those women in the New Testament that we looked at, those two times when they turn to God in prayer, when things seem to be at their worst, two things I want you to ask yourself when it comes to prayer. Number one, do we believe in the power of God? Do you believe that God has the power to do what you're asking Him to do? Number two, do you believe in the plan of God? Do you believe God has a plan? Do you believe that before this earth was created, God knew and God developed a plan of what was going to happen? God knew the beginning, God knew the end before it was ever made. Do you believe that? Do you believe in the power of God and do you believe in the plan of God? Think about those two questions as we look at this example in the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 9, we're going to back up to verse 1 and then we're going to skip ahead. But in verse 1 it says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent, a Mede who was uh, made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, we're not going to look at every word that he says during this prayer. But Daniel has seen what's been determined ahead of time for the nation of Israel. It says that he fasted with sackcloth and ashes. He prepared himself for prayer. He humbled himself before God. And then he goes to God on behalf of the nation with a prayer. And he prays to God three times. Things seem to be at their worst. Three times this morning we've seen the first thing people do is pray. Skip forward to verse 21. Or verse 20, I'm sorry. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, who I had seen in the vision at first, came to me in a swift flight at the time of evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision." Daniel knew something bad was in the process. 
he turned to God in prayer. He knew God had a plan. Did, God, did Daniel believe in the power of God? I think absolutely. Did Daniel believe in the plan of God? I think absolutely he did. You see, while we see that Daniel's prayer was answered while he was praying, the answer given to Daniel was not, oh, everything's going to be fine. The answer to Daniel was, God loves you. God's heard your prayer and here's what's going to happen. Do you believe in the power of God? Do you believe in the plan of God? If you can answer yes to those two questions, if you can say, yes, I believe in the power of God, and yes, I believe in the plan of God, when you say amen, while it's true that you may not be given the answer at that moment, you should be able to find some level of peace Because you believe in the power of God and you believe in the plan of God. You've made your needs known to God and you know that His power and His plan are more powerful than anything you'll ever face. If you believe those two things to be true, you should have some peace as soon as amen is uttered. Your problems may not be gone. Your issues may not go away. That loved one... It's still going to be gone. But then we remind ourselves, the power of God says that my loved one that I just lost, who did the will of God, I'm going to meet again if I do the will of God. God's plan from the very beginning was that we don't live forever. We live for heaven. Yeah, I'm going to be sad. I'm going to mourn. It's, it's devastating to lose somebody that you love. But I'm going to see them again. Because I believe in the power of God and I believe in the plan of God. Is it complete peace? Probably not. But it's more peace than anybody without God will ever experience. Here's what I want you to think about. Last year, we... Several people, I can't remember the exact number, but during the uh, summer, we gathered in the fellowship room and we watched War Room. And that movie was one in which uh, a lady would go into her closet, she would write her needs on a piece of paper, she had a journal, so to speak, and, and she would pray for specific things when she would pray. We're taught through Scripture that when you pray, go into a closet and pray. Don't be like the hypocrites that stand on the corner. Go into a closet and pray. Let me ask you this. The message there is comparing to hypocrites. And we understand that the reason that was said was so that we don't be shown or we don't turn our prayers into entertainment. But when we go into a closet in prayer, here's a second benefit I think we can get from that. When you go into a closet and pray, and you close the door to your closet, you can block out some of the distractions 
of the world. Some of the things that are in the world that you deal with each and every day can be blocked out to an extent when you close that door and you go into your closet to pray. You see, when we go into our closet to pray, that takes preparation. That takes planning. That takes understanding that there is a purpose to the prayer that you're going to say. How many times have we devoted ourselves to prayer in the sense that for five minutes... I'm going to take all the cares and worries of the world and I'm going to shut this door on them. They're going to be there when I open the door back up. But for five minutes, I'm going to shut the door. And I'm going to devote myself to prayer. All I'm going to focus on is this prayer. I'm going to write some names on a piece of paper. I'm going to write some needs on a piece of paper. And I'm going to devote myself to prayer. You see, I can't escape the world. But for five minutes, I'm going to close this door. And I'm going to focus only on the words of this prayer. I'm going to devote myself to prayer. Because I believe in the power of God and I believe in the plan of God. Do we pray on purpose? Is the question that we need to ask. You see, three times this morning we've looked at examples of individuals and and groups, the church, that saw a need and they immediately turned to prayer. They knew what prayer could do. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you believe in the power of prayer? Do you believe in the power of God? Do you believe in the plan of God? The plan of God says, I sent my son to die on the cross for your sins. By doing so, he shed his blood. If you believe that message, if you repent of your sin, and if you confess that you believe that he is the Son of God, that you can come in contact with that blood by being buried with him in baptism. Once you're raised from the waters of baptism, you're a new creature. You can live your life with the purpose of one day achieving heaven. That's God's plan. That's God's plan for every individual that's ever walked this earth. Do you believe in the plan of God? Number two, if you believe in the plan, do you believe these waters behind me in this baptistry, they're not magical. I don't know anything about how water runs, but they probably... Uh, come from the same source that the sinks come from in the restroom. It's not the water. It's the power of God that makes what you do here special. That makes what you do here mean something. It's the power that allows this to wash away your sins. It's not the water. It's the power of God. Do you believe in the plan of God? Do you believe in the power of God? Maybe your answer to those questions is yes, but you've lost sight of things in your life. You don't devote yourself to prayer. You don't really even pray that much anymore. It's just a checklist item. Maybe you want to commit yourself to being a better Christian. You want to say, you know what, I believe in the power and I believe in the plan, but I'm going to start living like it.
Or maybe you say, yeah, I believe in the plan, but I've never fulfilled the plan. I've heard the word. I believe the word. I know there's sin in my life, but I've never finished the plan. I believe it, but I've never finished it. This morning, if you've never finished the plan of God, then you've never truly accepted the power of God. Do you believe in His plan? Do you believe in His power? If you're not living like it, right now is the time to make that happen. We've just studied about prayer. Right now, the power of prayer we have seen through Scripture. Think about what it can do for your life right now, no matter what you're going through. If you need those prayers, if you need the power of God, if you need a better understanding of God's plan, come right now while together we stand and while we sing to encourage you.